Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi there, everyone. I'm Haley Wickenheiser, and this is Let's Go Blues Radio, past to the future. I need one win. What are you going to do to get me that? Selfish hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. Break it down. Skate the puck. Don't pass it. Headman's still going to be there when you catch up, boy. Take it coast to coast. Shots from poor angles are still shots. Fuck and a half, two minute shifts, three minutes even. Cruise the blue line to catch your breath. Bad bounce, that's a good breakaway. Gotta get the bounces, boys. Hello, everybody. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Past to the Future. Season 8, episode 67, franchise episode all time, number 253. I am your host, Jeff Ponder, and uh, we have a lot to get to, so we're going to get right into it. First of all, I want to thank uh, Julio Cesar in Brazil for uh, the awesome song you hear at the beginning, which you're hearing right now in the background. Uh, Make sure you check out his YouTube channel. Uh, You can find the link on the show page over at letsgoblues.com slash radio, as well as uh, the YouTube page, the video that goes with this episode. So if you uh, wanted to check out the video with the past guests, we have a YouTube video up for it, and uh, you can find the link in there in the description of that. So uh, right off the bat here, I want to get something a little kind of personal, but it's also pretty well known here in St. Louis now. There's a KSDK story about it. Uh, I want to give a call out to a very special friend to my family, uh, Mr. Michael Armfield of the Chesterfield Falcons. Uh, For those that may not have heard Michael's story, he uh, is a young man who was severely wounded after being attacked by a dog that he was walking and ran away and tried to chase after it and unfortunately was attacked when he grabbed it. Uh, his coach, Tim Peel, which everyone who listens to the show might know who that is, NHL referee. He uh, he started a GoFundMe for uh, Michael's medical bills. Uh, there was a car parade of people in the hockey community that were driving by. Uh, the Kachuk brothers even made an appearance. Brady and Matthew and gave him or and, uh, you know gave him a high five and you know told him how happy they were for him to be on the road to recovery. Um, I want to add, and, and you're probably like, well, come on, you know, do you really know this kid? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, his stepdad is a very good friend of mine, uh, someone I actually played roller hockey with, um, but someone I've considered a, a good, close friend for a very long time and um, big part of Michael's life, obviously. Uh, you kind of see him in the background there in the uh, in, in the video that uh, if you watch the KSTK video, um, he's the most attractive man that's not interviewed. So just keep that in mind. Um, one thing I want to say real quick, and, and uh, uh, Mike, his stepdad, if you are listening, sir, go ahead and let Michael take a listen here. Um, dude, this kid is the bravest kid I've ever met. Uh, this was uh, a couple days. Actually, it may have been the same day. I had a video chat uh, with Mike and his wife, and we were just kind of going over things, you know, just, you know, because we haven't seen each other in a while. And uh, 
I was lucky enough to have Michael come on the chat with us, and he was in the greatest of spirits. He was laughing. He was telling jokes. He was all excited about meeting the Kachucks. Um, and let's face it, you know, if you saw any of the video of him, he's got a huge bandage over his head. And you think it would affect you and me in a way where it would be hard for us to kind of move on with our life, you know? It's um, such a strange situation, and, you know, I know that I've had injuries in the past. Uh, When I was a junior in high school, I broke my ankle and kind of ended my hockey season, and I was not the same person during that time. I was upset. I was pissed off at the world. And um, it wasn't until I could get back on the rink that I started to act like myself again. Um, Michael's not that way. And it is, it's unbelievable to see. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about how strong this kid is. Um, So again, Michael, if you're listening, uh, I know it sucks. You're not going to be able to play hockey for a while. But uh, I know you're going to be able to come back and be better than ever. Um, Have a nice, refreshing break um, you know, try to find the positive in this. Work on your stick handling. I'm sure there's still some things you can do. Um, but my God, man, you are such a strong kid, and it's really cool. Uh, I, I mean, I, I literally was talking to my mom and telling her, "Yeah, I, I know him. That's that's Mike's stepson, and um, he is a great kid, and and I'm I'm a better person for knowing him. So uh, I mean, every word of that." And uh, again, Michael Armfield, uh, the Chesterfield Falcons, and again, let's let's say too, Tim Peel, very cool what he did, bringing the Kachucks in and and having the car parade or whatever you call that uh, to the hockey community coming together and doing that. Um, so many good people in this story, just a feel good story. And again, Michael, bravest kid there is in in all of St. Louis. So wanted to give a big shout out to him. And and uh, for those of you who do not know about the story. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media, on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. I will share both those stories on my personal pages, as well as the um, uh, the the Let's Go Blues Radio uh, Twitter and Facebook pages. I'll be sure to post the KSTK link to that if you have not seen it. So again, big shout out to Michael. Stay strong, buddy, and um, I can't wait until there's a day where we're on this show doing this and. 15 years, and we're talking about how great of a career this St. Louis kid, Michael Armfield, is having in the NHL. So keep going, buddy. Uh, Can't wait to get you back on the rink. One more thing I want to get to before we get to our guests. Uh, Everybody knows, probably, if if you're listening to this show, about the NHL releasing its plan to return with training camps opening no later than July 1st. Uh, The regular season is basically done. Um, Now there might be some stats uh, from the first round, the, the qualifying round that might go towards regular season stats. We don't know yet. Um, but uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, the uh, the regular season is done. We're going to have two hub cities of playoffs. So there's going to be two cities. And, and again, you can find all this information elsewhere. I'm not going to break all the news to you because I'm sure you've already heard it. Uh, NHL.com has a nice wrap-up about it. Um, but how? what does this mean for the Blues? Uh, round robin will be going on for the first round for the top four teams of each conference. And uh, right now the Blues are slated as the one of the top teams. Uh, actually, they are the top team 
in the Western Conference. So they'll be playing three round-robin games against Dallas, Vegas, and Colorado. Every other team of the 12 of the Western Conference uh, will be playing in a qualifying round, and of course it's the same over in the Eastern Conference. Um, They're going to play a best-of-five in their qualifying round, so three wins will get them on to play against the top four teams. And I know a lot of people are saying that it's kind of crap that the Blues might lose their top seed uh, because of a couple uh, round-robin games. But and, and yes, I agree, that does suck. But at the same time, you got to have these games mean something. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, the Blues just get a first-round bye. You don't want that. You don't want them to come in cold against a team that just played a, a hard-nosed best-of-five series um, and the Blues not playing a game since March. Uh, so I'm not for the bye, which I'm glad they're not doing. And also, um, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, they should still get their first seed. Maybe they could just play each other, uh, Dallas, Vegas, and Colorado, the other three teams. Uh, maybe they could all just play each other in a little kind of uh, friendly, I guess, uh, uh, tournament. It means nothing. Yeah, that's not going to work either. Um, these guys, the games have to mean something for them to play full steam to get their legs back. So I'm all for this. I, I actually really like this idea. I know there's a lot of people that don't, but I do, and I'm all for it. So kudos to the NHL on getting that worked out. Uh, there's still a couple things that are yet to be determined. Uh, will they recede after the first round? So uh, basically, are they just going to have the bracket set like how it is now and say, okay, winner of this series plays Dallas. Winner of this series plays Vegas. Um or will they say the lowest seeded team to come out? They will play the top seeded team. Um, so we we don't know yet. That's something they haven't decided yet. Uh, I'm all for reseeding. I think they should. But um, again, that that kind of makes the, uh, the the regular season mean a little more. I think if you're going to reseed them after that qualifying round. So I'm all for it, but we'll see what they decide. Also, uh, so the second round, or, or technically, I guess the first round for the Blues, um, since they're you know definitely going to be moving on to the second round. Uh, do they want that to be a best of five or a best of seven? Although they have announced that the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final will be a best of seven. Um, I'm all for making that a best of seven as well. I think that you instantly after that qualifying round, you get your 16 teams that you normally have in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, you make it like the Stanley Cup playoffs as much as possible. You just continue on with best of seven and uh, until, until a champion is crowned. And uh, I'm all for that. So hopefully we'll see what happens. Um, I, like I said, I'm all for it. I love the two hub cities idea. I do agree with the people who are upset about the uh, city of Chicago getting a look. I know they've been... Uh, ravaged by COVID-19. So it, it would be weird if it was Chicago, but it really does seem like it's going to be Vegas, which I think would make sense. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a good call. Let the West play other games in Vegas, and then uh, we'll see what happens by the time the conference finals, the Stanley Cup finals come around. I mean, maybe by then we can start having half capacity for home games. So who knows? We'll see. I also want to add one more thing. Just a, a personal thought here. Uh, the NHL and the PA seem to be completely on the same page. And for me, that is a huge plus. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of arguing. You know, you pay attention to what's going on in the MLB right now. 
there's a lot of players that are not happy with some of the ideas that have been thrown around. And, and it's a little different situation because they haven't even started a season yet, whereas the NHL was pretty much almost done with their regular season. Um, but, yeah, it's just – I love it. It's good to see that everyone's been on the same page. They're all wanting to work together. Everybody wants to see the season resume. I love that. Um, so it's it's only – you know, with the the – collective bargaining agreement coming up here soon uh it's only a good thing that these these guys are willing to work together right now to find a solution and um again i don't think it's gonna it's not gonna mean too much in terms of the labor disputes that we're gonna have in a couple seasons but um it it is a good sign that these two sides are willing to work together to come and uh, meet a final agreement on how to finish the 2019-2020 season now let's get to our guests. Our first guest is the first Hall of Famer we've had on the show. Grant Fior joins the show. Again, we mentioned it during the interview because Kirk does join me, that uh, he kind of made his rounds a little bit with uh, with St. Louis Podcast. He's been on a couple different shows, uh, but he did stop by ours as well a couple weeks ago. And so uh, it was a lot of fun talking with him, as a, as I said, Kurt does join me for this, and I know that it was a quite the honor to have him on. So uh, that is the first part of the show, the past part of the show. Future, we welcome back friend of the show, Greg Boyson. He's a THW, the hockey writers, credentialed AHA writer with the Ice Hogs and the Wolves. And uh, this time we're talking about another goalie. So it's an all-goalie show, folks. We're going to talk about Billy Huso and where he thinks he might fall in the Blues' depth chart heading in the next season. Uh, so, without further ado, here's our first guest, Hall of Fame and Stanley Cup winning goaltender, Grant Fjord. This is Jeff with Let's Go Blues Radio, uh, Pass to the Future, and uh, I am joined by St. Louis Blue, former St. Louis Blues goaltender, former Stanley Cup winning goaltender, and of course, Hall of Famer, Grant Fjord, who's already kind of made his rounds on uh, St. Louis uh, media, but uh, we're very happy to have him on the show uh, Grant, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so I want to talk to you about, there's so many things to ask you about, but first of all, we've had uh, Adam Scorgi on the show already, and we talked about the uh, the great documentary that was Making Coco. Um, I want to ask you first and foremost, because, you know, you seem like a pretty humble guy, but uh, what was it like making a documentary about yourself? I'm sure that was uh, kind of difficult for you. A little different from my world. I mean, I kind of like the peace and quiet and staying in the shadows, that sort of thing. But once I knew Donnie Metz really well, and I got to know Adam very well. So once I got to know those guys a little bit, it made it a lot easier. Yeah, I bet. Uh, what was it like working with Adam? It was great working with Adam. He's such an easy guy to work with. He's very well, very well versed on the topics and such. And he probably knew more about my life than I remembered. So it made it a lot easier. Yeah, I bet. I mean, yeah, he said he grew up a uh, a big Oilers fan and, and paid attention to your whole career. So I'm sure it was a thrill for him to be able to work with you. Uh, so obviously, like we said, you've uh, you spent a lot of time at Edmonton, won some Stanley Cups. Um, and, you know, obviously everybody knows about the history of anyone who saw the, the documentary knows about the history that you went through uh, getting to St. Louis. But uh, you you had some issues uh, the season before 
You came off an injury-riddled campaign. You played with Buffalo and L.A. You only played in 17 games. But in 95-96, you joined the St. Louis Blues. And the famous story that everybody loves to tell was Wayne Gretzky uh, telling Mike Keenan, your goalie is Grant Fuhr for this team, even before he joined the Blues. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see all that. But um, when you were approached by Mike Keenan to join the Blues, uh, what was your thoughts on St. Louis, and uh, were you excited to come play for the Blues? Actually, I was excited to come play for the Blues. Having played there on the road, it was fun to play in St. Louis, and having known a few guys that played there, they all said it was a great hockey city, so it was a good chance for me to get out and play again, and that was the fun part is I got an opportunity to play, and it was a good hockey city to be in. Yeah, I bet. Um, so you're, uh, you, you played, uh, again, Wayne Gretzky was already on your team before that he joins the Blues late in that season. Uh, what was that like playing with Wayne again? Oh, it was great. I mean, I think I played with Wayne 14 out of the 19 years I played. So, I mean, anytime you have him on your team, you know it's going to make your team better. But it's also nice to have good friends around. He uh, always said that you were the greatest goalie in NHL history, and, and I think he still stands by that, Mark. Um, I know, obviously, beside you, I want to ask you, who do you think is the greatest goaltender in NHL history? I'm a big Terry Sawchuk fan. I mean, I think he established the numbers that everybody tried to attain leading up till Marty got there, Patrick got there. There's a few other guys that have gotten close to it. So, But Terry was the one that set the numbers out that everybody tried to attain. Uh, so we are joined here also by a co-host of Let's Go Blues Radio, Kurt Price. Kurt, thanks for jumping in here and say hello to our friend Grant here on the show. Uh, Mr. Fuhrer, it's a pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, we, we talked off air already that Grant's already talked to our friends uh, Lance at the Drop Podcast and Guy over at uh, Hawaii Fan Report. Um, so, Kurt, what are, what are your opinion of those shows? Are they Are they not the greatest St. Louis podcasts there are, or are we a little better than them? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play the bias card here. I'm gonna say they're a tick below. <laughs> they do a fine job over there. Both those I guys do great do. job, great I, job. I, you know, I, I I like us. You know, I I'm sure I'm sure Grant would tell you that uh, if you're gonna ask him uh, uh, who's the better team, his the team he's playing for, the one he's playing against, he's gonna pick the team he's on. <laughs> That's right. I can, I can work with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, talking about the uh, when you joined the St. Louis Blues, ninety five, ninety six, um, you come in and you have to do the physical that Mike Keenan uh, has put everybody through. And again, this was something that was made aware in the Making Coco documentary. Um, and there was the uh, what was that called the the VO two test. And uh, there was a, even some people said that doesn't really need to be taken, but but uh, it was a Keenan move. He had to have that uh, test taken. You did not pass. What were your thoughts when that happened? Uh, not the first time. So <laughs> I, I know the shape I'm in when I get to a training camp. And yeah, I carry a couple extra pounds when I get to camp, but I also burn it through camp. And that's part of being durable for a whole season is you burn a lot of weight as you go through the season. So I always carried a few extra pounds and Mike didn't like that. So we didn't get off to the greatest of starts, but we got it sorted out. Did you know Mike before that, before uh, he was your coach there in St. Louis? I did. I met, it, I met him at the Canada Cups, and plus playing against him when he was with the Flyers in the Stanley Cup Finals. So did you take that personally at all against him when, when he uh, said that you didn't pass the physical? No. I mean, he's the coach, so it's his, his choice. 
we it was just a matter we had to work out the little issue of, and then we could get back to business so you go on to play in 79 games um a consecutive games played streak which is especially even today's those standards of those of that day was ridiculous i mean you never saw that and you still don't see it to today um was it kind of a feather in your cap to say well i might have failed the physical when I first got here, but hey, I'm obviously good enough to play in 79 games. Was that something you kind of shoved in your coach's face? No, I knew he was in good enough shape to play. It was just his his theory and my theory were a little bit different. He gave me the opportunity to play as much as I liked, and I enjoyed playing, so I played as much as he'd let me. Um, when you were going through that streak, obviously it was something that I'm sure as it kept building, it kept building, you kept saying, okay, this is something I'm going to continue. Um, was it ever, did you ever feel like, okay, I really need to take a game off, but you told yourself I've got to keep going to keep the streak going? Or was it something like uh, you just were in the zone and felt motivated the whole time to keep going? No, as a goalie, you prepare to play every day anyway. So the fact that he let me play every day made it a lot easier, actually. I mean, days you don't feel good. Once a game starts, adrenaline kicks in, you're fine. So it's it's mind over matter more than anything. Were you were you ever fatigued and felt like you needed a rest? No, I actually enjoyed playing a lot. I mean, I think that was the fun part is your mind, if you can keep your mind sharp, you're good. So on the off days or certain days he didn't make me practice, I could take some off time and relax a little bit. And when I was away from the rink, you just try and forget about hockey a little bit. So that way when you get back to the rink, you're fresh. So you played uh, on that team, but also a little further after that, uh, behind Chris Pronger and Al McKinnis, two guys that we talk about a lot on this show, as just being the best uh, defensive duo that we've ever seen. Is that the best defensive duo you've ever played with, or is there a uh, couple from the Edmonton team that you can remember? Probably the most talented duo I've played with, but I've played with some good defensemen over the years from different teams too. I mean, you look at Kevin Lowe and Lee Fogelin, Different style of defenseman, but a phenomenal pair. You look at Paul Coffey, Charlie Huddy, another phenomenal pair. So I had some good defensemen in front of me. Um, so why uh, what, but the 96 team, obviously, talking about the Gretzky, Hall, McKinnis, Pronger, uh, just a ridiculous team again. And, and then uh, you go out in the first round. Everybody knows the story. Again, something we love to complain about here with Nick Kiprios. Um, <laughs> what... Uh, when you first went out, and we talked to Adam Scorgi about this, how you insisted to get Kiprios on the Making Coco documentary, which we found to be crazy because uh, that seems like something that, that you probably want to still hold against him. Uh, what are your thoughts on him taking you out there in that series? Well, you know, over the years playing in the playoffs, guys fall on you all the time. I mean, I'll bet you in all the years leading up to that, every playoff round, somebody fell on you at least eight or ten times, and nothing had ever happened. So the fact that he fell on me isn't anything different than happens in the playoffs. Even today, it still happens. It's just unfortunate I had a leg in a bad spot, and it got caught that way. Did did he do it on purpose, or did Pronger push him in the <laughs> Oh, no, he fell on me on purpose, but that happens all the time. So <laughs> I know yeah, Pronger he... caught a lot of flack for uh, a lot of people uh, were complaining that he, would, he checked him into you, but... Obviously, the replay shows that Pronger checks him one way and he dives another. <laughs> yeah. Pronger gets uh, a lot of heat for that. <laughs> so, again, I told you before we got started here, we've already had uh, Noodles, Jamie McLennan, on the show. 
and he verified this story and uh, told the kind of folklore tale of it. But Game 7 against Phoenix, 1999, round one, uh, it was said that this is when the Blues were down 3-1 in the series. You you guys came back, Game 7 in Phoenix. Uh, Jim Schoenfeld, the head coach of Phoenix, guaranteed a victory. It was said that you said, just get me one. Just get me one goal, guys. That's all I need. Uh, what made you so confident in, in yourself to be able to do that? It's confidence in our team. I mean, we had a good hockey team, so you have to be confident in yourself. And that's part of being a good goalie. So I have faith in myself, but I had faith in the guys too. And you're just trying to make them relax and go out and play. So I, I have a, what were your thoughts? Okay. So you had fulfilled your end of the bargain with, <laughs> with, with, with shutting them down. We don't normally but, try and pick one nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but the Blues had not scored at the end of regulation, so you're like, "Come on, guys, I'm I'm keeping up my end. Let's let's go." <laughs> well, you know, it was fun playing in that series because Nikki Happy Bullen played really well for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things you don't really ever predict one nothing, especially in the playoffs, or especially in games I play in. That's for sure. But. I was you I refer- was living in an apartment complex at the time, and and I think I woke up the entire apartment complex. Uh, uh, after uh, Turjan scored, and uh, I, I was, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty. Fan- it's a very memorable uh, performance. Yep. You know what? It was a fun game to play in. It would. Does that rank? When you look back, and I'm sure there's plenty that you can think of. Obviously, cup clinching games and and uh, round clinching games. Does that rank up there with you think one of your best performances in net? That was a good one. The game one of the '84 final was good. They both were one nothing games, so. Along the way, you didn't make any mistakes, so that's never a bad thing. But over the years, there's so many good playoff games. The Canada Cup was a lot of fun. The 6-5, 6-5, 6-5, those were all good games, even though you give up a bunch of goals. So it's all just a little different. You mentioned uh, Nikolai Habibulin across the crease, a great goalie, obviously. You've played against you played against some great goalies in your time, Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur. Um, who was the best you think you ever played against? Best I played, well, I get lucky enough to play against Tony Esposito my first year. So he's kind of, I'm kind of partial to Tony. Yeah. But I would say probably Marty Brodeur and Patrick were the next two best. Then Dominic Pasek. I would throw Dom right there with those two. It's funny when we talk about the greatest goalies of all time. For some reason, it seems like Hasek slips through the cracks for a lot of people. But man, was it six Vezina trophies? That's impressive. It's extremely impressive. I would definitely put him in my top three or four. I I would imagine it's probably the lack of uh, of uh, cups with Buff- the so long without a cup, and he got one with Detroit, but uh, probably the so long without it was, he has one cup to his to his credit. Is that right? So um, maybe that's that. it. Yeah. Yeah, it could yeah. be a bit of that. I mean, there's been some great goalies that don't have cups. Sure. You look, sure. At, you look at Curtis Joseph. Yeah. I think Curtis top ten. Yeah. But no cups. Yeah. Which John in the end Eastbrook is, is, is another one. Yeah, a goalie yep. can't score goals. At least not too many of them. So yes, uh, Mike, not enough to. Win. <laughs> Mike Vernon was up there. He's got one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been some great goalies that haven't won. Speaking of, you were mentioned. Uh, kind of was kind of a jest there, Kurt. But you mentioned uh, goalies don't score goals. Grant, was it ever in your mind? Did you ever want to score a goal in the NHL? Oh hell no! I'm a playmaker. <laughs> I knew I didn't have a chance. So what I didn't I didn't look up the stats uh, what, uh, in the the run and gun Edmonton days. Uh, did you uh, rack up some assists there at all? Or I think I had fourteen points one year. Oh, there you go. Yeah, 
That's nice. That's more than I would ever get in the NHL game, so you win. <laughs> so, so I'll run with Playmaker. Right. Uh, so uh, what you you play against, again, played with Brett Hall, somebody we love to talk about here on this show, and people in St. Louis have adopted as St. Louis's own son. What was he like in the locker room? Well, he was awesome. And we spent a lot of time together off the ice. I mean, the one Brett and I became good friends. We still see each other a fair amount. So, I mean, he was fun to be around. He was fun in the dressing room. He was fun on the ice. And he was a good leader. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I know you're still friends with Wayne Gretzky and probably still talk to Holy. But um, anyone from the St. Louis teams that stand out that you still talk to, that you're still friends with today? Uh, let's see. I still – I just played golf with Terry Yake here on the weekend. So, he was nice. Here. Uh, prongs I see, well, we communicate once in a while on Instagram a little bit, or I'll see him at different events. We had the premiere down in St. Louis and Prongs was nice enough to come in for that. So I still see a few of the guys around. Uh, you mentioned, well, we mentioned, uh, the, the multiple Stanley cups you had, uh, while with Edmonton. Um, what's the, what's the crazy story you could tell us? What's the weirdest thing you've ever heard or done with the Stanley cup? <laughs> And we're not a PG no. show, so you can do whatever, <laughs> say whatever you like. Let's, let's just say we traveled with the cup as a team, and it may have ended up in a neighborhood that it shouldn't have on stage. Ah, <laughs> ah. And, yes. on the front page of, and on the front page of the paper the next day, which was not so good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I do believe uh, a story was told the uh, keeper of the cup says that uh, the Stanley Cup is not allowed in those types of establishments anymore because of uh, social media and all the camera phones and everything. He <laughs> He's not a big fan of that, I don't think. That was the beauty of back then. There was no cell phones, no camera phones. Right. And there's no, keep, there no keeper of the cup. So when they gave you the cup, you could run with the cup. Yeah, oh, nowadays he's, he's always there, isn't he? We just nowadays. consider it part of job creation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> um, so it's something that, again, talking about the great documentary and for those that haven't seen it, you need to making Coco. Um, it's just a, a great Grant Fjord story. Every documentary you've ever seen, this is up there. One of the best I've seen, but, um, you talked about it kind of it, it, something that was kind of a, a basis of your whole career was the cocaine story. The fact that you said you did it, you told the NHL. Yet you still got suspended. When you see it today, I mean, obviously, that was kind of, to me at least, that I can remember the first that you heard of the NHL and, and the policy against drug use and all that. But when you went to the NHL, were you expecting to get help? I mean, obviously, they took it in a way that I think none of us would expect them to take it today. Actually, I gone and got help before the NHL ever knew. So That's what right. happened What happened was my ex-wife and a reporter had become friends and somehow they were going to release the story. So fine, we went, let the NHL know, okay, hey, this is going to happen. And they said, well, we're not here to help players. We're here to punish them. So oh, my Lord. We went, went down to Toronto for a hearing, sat through the hearing, which in my opinion was kind of a waste of time. They already had predetermined what was going to happen. And yeah, a little surprising. I mean, there's a couple of players that had, had been suspended for it before, but I think one a certain Maple Leaf got seven games, so we weren't really worried about it. 
but yeah, I was a little surprised we got a year for it. Do you feel like you were uh, made an example of at all? Like they were trying to make a point or something? Oh, they were definitely making a point. I mean, they didn't have a policy at that time. And they were there to let players know that they weren't there to help them. So, if anything, it probably set things back. Instead of having a firm drug policy, what they did was they just let players know that, hey, we're not going to help you. We're going to punish you. So, it drove probably drove, I know it drove some guys underground. My goodness. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably not what you want. You want players coming forward and and, uh, you know, saying, hey, I've got a problem. I need help. So obviously in that time that you took off from the NHL, um, you cleaned yourself up, got sober. What did you do to uh, stay in game shape, to be ready for the NHL to when they came calling a year later? I Actually, the Oilers were really good. They let me see the guys. Couldn't go to the rank for practice with the guys, but I still saw the guys all the time. And then they set it up at a gym where I could go to the gym, work out twice a day, but I couldn't skate. So all you do is just try and stay in shape until you were finally cleared to be able to practice again. Did you find your own rink in that time to go skate at? No, I never touched the gear. All wow. I did was work out. So I came back and practiced over for probably about a week and then jumped right into games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy! <laughs> you hear about the how the NHL needs to have training camp for these players after the coronavirus scare, and yeah. just you know, go talk to Grant, just skate around for a week, and you're good to go. What's funny, guys? Guys are in such good shape now. If you gave them a week or ten days, they'd be ready to play. I think so too. NHL's taking a lot of precautions, but uh, but that's how it is. So you look at the NHL landscape nowadays. Obviously, goaltending has changed, even in your time. Uh, it changed a ton. Um, but uh, right now, who impresses you in goal? Who's a goalie you see on the ice right now and say, that is that is a hell of a, a hockey goaltender? Well, there's a lot of them, but Carey Price is still my favorite right now. I mean, I think in Jordan Bennington's been good. I think in the future you're going to see Carter Hart's going to be good in Philly. I think he might be the best of the young guys right now. Um, there's also uh, there's been talks of uh, – you know, this guy, is he the next Grant Fuhrer? Is he the next Patrick Waugh? Is he the next Martin Brodeur, especially talking about Carey Price? But I want to look at the style of the goaltenders. Do you see a goalie whose style might be comparable to yours back in the day? No, they're all a foot taller than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the game transitioned for a little while where it became so defensive, the goalies, all they had to do was take away the angles. And now that they've opened it up, taken away the hooking, holding, goalies are having to become more mobile again. So you're starting to see guys that aren't 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". You're starting to see the guys in that six-foot range playing again. And you're starting to see the mobile goaltender again. So I think it's going to switch to where it's going to end up being a hybrid more than anything. Uh, what, uh, what What is the future of goaltending? I know there's been a lot of talks of... Um, Roberto Luongo once said that he would retire back when he was still playing. If they made the nets bigger, there's talks they're going to continue to reduce the size of goalie pads. Uh, just in your opinion, what do you see them doing next to increase scoring even more? Well, I think they've gone about it a little bit the wrong way. I mean, the reason we wore equipment so small is it was heavy. So if you want guys to shrink the equipment, all you do is put a little bit of weight back in it. I mean, a pair of pads now weighs, what, maybe seven pounds at the most? Something like that, yeah. Ours were right around 20. So put a little bit of weight (laughs) back in it. Guys will shrink it in a hurry. 
Well, and the, and the material the pads were made of back in the day didn't they didn't they soak up some of the some of the water on the on the rink? Moisture. Yeah, right. So I don't I don't think they do that leather, anymore. Leather and horsehair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So again, just uh, kind of talking about St. Louis a little bit. What was uh, what was your favorite spot to hang out in when you were playing here? Ah, uh, there's a little Italian restaurant in Chesterfield I used to go to. Like, the name escapes me right now, but it was fabulous. Hmm. That wherever Holly dragged us usually. <laughs> That's well, usually how it went. Holly used to walk go over on the east side though. I mean, across the river. That's where Holly. <laughs> Holly was I think, everywhere. I was saying, I think Holly still goes. goes to the east side. He's kind of the mayor. He knew where to take us. Yep. How often do you visit uh, St. Louis? I try and get back at least once a year. And there's okay. different things that have happened where I've been able to sneak back a little bit. So I try and at least get back once a year. Did you come back uh, during the Stanley Cup run at all? I wasn't back for any of the games, but I was back for the raising of the banner. Oh, nice. I bet that was really cool to see. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And St. Louis always does a, such a good job of everything. I mean, that's the one thing about that organization is they do everything first class. So we've, uh, we were pushing big, big advocates here on this show to get Chris Pronger's number 44 retired. And, and I asked you about him earlier, but uh, as a goalie playing behind Chris Pronger, uh, right as he was starting to kind of come into his own as an NHL superstar and future Hall of Famer. Um, what do you think it means for him to be able to see his number retired in St. Louis? And I know you think it was, but tell us why you think it was deserved. I think if you watched him play every day, he's the consummate professional. I mean, Prongs, you knew what he was bringing to the rink every single day, whether it be that little bit of bite, the finesse game, he had all the parts. And I think that was the great thing. That was the fun about playing behind him. That it could be a little serious once in a while, which we tried to ruin sometimes. But that that was the fun part of playing with Chris. I think if uh, the opposing fans hate you with a passion, you're doing something right. Yeah, and I think he, that was. And he accomplished that very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. I was gonna say, just ask Flames fans about uh, some of those Oilers players, uh, Marty McSorley, Kevin Lowe, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> if the opposition hates you, you know you're doing something right. Right. So when you left St. Louis, you went to Calgary, and I, I always find that interesting, and that's something that eventually when we get Holy on here, we're going to have to ask him when he played for Detroit. But you had, you know, obviously a lot of time passed between your time as an oiler and then time as a flame, but was it strange for you to don the Calgary Flames emblem instead of the Oilers emblem uh, at the end of your career? You know, it was a little bit different, but the Battle of Alberta had pretty much worn down a little bit it wasn't a very big battle at that time so and my mom was from calgary originally so for me it wasn't a bad thing i mean it gave me an opportunity to finish at home did you uh grow up a flames fan oh no i was an Oilers no. fan i grew up just Good outside man. edmonton and i watched the others the wha and watched them tra transition into the nhl so diehard with our fan still am that's gotta be a Good lot man. of fun to grow up as a diehard Oilers fan and then play for them and win cups for them and play very well for them. Uh, that's got to be pretty fantastic. You couldn't dream it any better. I mean, that's the fun part. I grew up in a little town called Spruce Grove just outside Edmonton. And as a kid, you dream of playing in the National Hockey League. And of course, everybody wants to play in their home city. So to actually have that happen and then have some success with it was phenomenal. Uh, Grant, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the Grand Pure. Uh, was it the Grand Pure? Grand, uh, sorry, I can't talk today. 
the Grant Fuhr Invitational, uh, December 11th, 12th, and 13th in Palm Springs, California. It is a uh, great golf tournament that's held uh, yearly. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Well, we're going to raise a little money for the Betty Ford Center. I mean, I've lived down here in the Valley now for going on eight years, so we wanted to raise some money that stays here in the Valley for a good cause, and that seemed like a very good cause to me. How could people sign up, attend? How, how does that work? Uh, if you go to the Grant Fear Celebrity Invitational on the Internet, there's sign-up forms there and such. I mean, we're originally going to have it in April, but with the COVID and everything going on, we had to bump it to December, so there's still a couple of spots available. Well, being Palm Springs, you can kind of have it any time. So that's the beauty of uh, of your location that you chose. <laughs> um, that's great. And then making cocoa again. I've mentioned it a ton of times here on this show, but um, you may not even have the answer to this. And and if not, it's fine. I'll I'll make sure to add it at the end of our show when this goes live. But um, where can people find making cocoa? Uh, let's see. As far as I know, it's on iTunes and Amazon Prime. And then after that, I'd have to ask Adam. Okay, that's fine. Now we'll find all the links and we'll post with the show as well. Uh, Kurt, anything else for Mr. Fear? I think you have done a fine job of covering all the topics that uh, need to be covered. Well, that's <laughs> what I do. So, <laughs> Grant, uh, real quick, go ahead and tell people how they can maybe find you on social media and how they can interact with you. Uh, let's see. I'm, where am I? I'm at GrantFear31 on Instagram. I'm at GrantFear on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I've got Grant Fear 31 as a fan page, so I'm reasonably findable, and every now and then I'll sit on Twitter and answer questions and have some fun with it. Great. Well, Grant, <laughs> this has been a uh, absolute pleasure for Kurt and I to be involved, and fortunately our third co-host, Bill, who's a goalie himself, had to miss out on this, but um, this was a He's huge golfing. thrill for us. He is golfing. Yeah, we, yeah. we figured you would you would appreciate that reason for him I, I missing can fully, this. I can fully appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right grant thank you very much for coming on the show today and uh best of luck to you and everybody in the grant fear invitational my pleasure take care guys thanks thank grant hey listeners this is brandon bowling i know i know i'm a former chicago blackhawk but i grew up in st charles and i'm a st louis in at heart my wife and i recently co-founded dana eve a health and fitness company that offers convenient workouts for anyone anytime anywhere my wife is also a former athlete. She played Division I college soccer and is now a certified personal trainer. Upon founding this business, we adopted the motto, you can change your life in less than 30 minutes a day. After years of constant wear and tear from her sport, Dana developed her own method of training, the DE method, which was designed to go where you go. Using your own body weight along with our Anywhere Gym, Dana will help you achieve lasting fitness in mind, body, and spirit, whether on the move or in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.danaeve.com to start your free trial. That's D-A-N-N-A-H-E-V-E.com. And we're continuing the past to the future segments today, and uh, we are going to the future now, and we're going to talk about one of the bigger blues prospects that's uh, kind of been on the tip of everyone's tongue lately. That is Vili Huso. I am once again joined by Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. He's a credentialed AHL writer for the Chicago Wolves and the Rockford Ice Hogs. Some pretty big news uh, coming out of the Chicago Wolves organization recently. Um, so how, how does that change your approach? For those that don't know, the uh, uh, was that the Carolina Hurricanes announced they have left the Charlotte Checkers and they'll be going to the Wolves for their AHL affiliate. First of all, Greg, thank you for joining the show. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and ask you that question. How does that affect 
uh, what your day to day is like for covering the wolves? Um, it doesn't really change anything too much, except that you're going to have to, you know, learn new players, new coaches, but that's, and th- at that level, every year is a whole new roster essentially. So, yep. um, you know, the main people that I deal with, with the team, the front office staff, the media department, they're all the same. Um, the thing that, st- that sucked about that the most was, um, you know, with this whole, uh, you know, hiatus thing, and it's very unlikely the AHL is going to come back this year. There are a lot of players, and especially head coach Rocky Thompson, that I, I built a two-year relationship with um, that, you know, you can't say goodbye now to, you know. It, 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 we knew they were going to leave, but at least if the season had played out, you'd have that final game to where you could say, hey, thank you, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, especially with Thompson, who I'm a huge fan of. I think he's going to be a really good NHL coach for a long time at some point. Um, so not, and he's been great to work with and a great quote. So not being able to like kind of have like an official send off sucks, but as far as, you know, coming at it next year and you got a new team, it's, you know, it's, as I said, it's the AHL. You have to spend the whole month of October learning the, the roster anyway. So, you know, yeah. it's very rare that you have, much of the same team come back from year to year anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, so again, today we're going to be talking about Billy Huso, who was with the San Antonio Rampage last year, and obviously will be in Springfield now for the uh, the St. Louis affiliate uh, in the AHL, unless he makes a jump to the NHL this next year, which we're going to talk about. But uh, first of all, Mr. Huso, Finnish goaltender, 25 years old, and uh, 6'3", 205, definitely has the NHL goalie body type that you're looking for nowadays. He was a fourth-round pick, 94th overall in the 2014 draft. And I was at this draft, and I remember this happening. Uh, the Blues had actually traded uh, their defenseman, Roman Polak, uh, for this pick and Carl Gunnarsson. And um, at the time, I think it was believed the Blues wanted to make this pick. That was why they made this trade. So uh, they wanted Huso from the start. And he has definitely been somebody that's been in the pipeline for a while, always in the conversation whenever you're talking about goaltending for the next season. So but the problem is you look at the numbers uh, and his numbers have not been great. Uh, now, granted, San Antonio, they were eighth in the central uh, two years ago. Uh, they had a record of eight twenty six and four, which is I actually it should be worth it. That's I don't know if that's correct. Uh that was uh, well. Either way, not a, not a good record. Uh, two years ago, last year they were twenty four, twenty five, seven and five for seventh in the Central Division, um, and his numbers kind of go along with that. Uh, last year, I think he had a little bit. Just again, looking at statistics, uh, forty two games played, two point five six GAA, nine oh nine save percentage. But the year before. Uh, 3.67 GAA, 871 save percentage, a 618-0 record, which is just not good. Um, so asking you here, uh, um, Greg, you've seen a lot of the Rampage play. Uh, obviously, you've seen a lot of Ily Huso. Is it a mix of just a bad team with a bad goalie, or, or is it the goalie is kind of trying to keep him in it because they're not scoring goals. I mean, what, what are you seeing when you see uh, these uh, kind of bad rampage teams play in front of Billy Huso? Yeah, I think those numbers are, are misleading as overall to his the type of player he was. I mean, if you look at his first two seasons in the AHL, 
Um, his first year was here in Chicago, actually. He um, It was kind of a tough situation when they brought him up to the AHL that first year because you guys still had uh, Jake Allen down in Chicago and Phoenix Copley was still here. So they were kind of doing a three-man rotation, which is really not good for a youngster's development. But then that eventually worked its way out and he became the main guy. Um, and then actually got the Wolves into the second round of the playoffs that year. And then his following season was, was the first year in San Antonio was really good. I mean, his first two seasons in the AHL, his save percentage was over 92%. And then it kind of, it as you mentioned, it really came back to earth uh, in 2018-19, where he was only at like 87%. And then this year was better. Um, but as you mentioned, those last two seasons, this year's Rampage team got off to a much better start. I mean, granted, eight wins as of December 1st, the previous year, you know, that's a very low bar to cross, but they started off better this year and then kind of tailed off. <clears throat> but the team in front of them wasn't very good. Um, they don't score. They were better this year, but their scoring pretty much came from that top line um, with Vecchioni and Nathan Walker and Kyrou when he was down there. So it was the type of guy situation where you have a, a goaltender, a young goaltender that I think felt that he had to do too much in a lot of those games where he knew that, man, if I give up a goal here in the first period, it's done. Right. And that's not a good mindset for any goaltender, especially a youngster. I mean, he's 25, but for goaltending, that's still, you know, a, a young, you know, you still got some potential there at that age. Um, so, you know, I think the team in front of him, didn't play well and uh that that didn't help but uh you know young goalies they they're going to struggle they 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 go through spans where they look like they're ready to be you know a Vesna candidate and then they'll go through stretches where they look like they've never played the game before so um you know it's nothing new with young goaltenders inconsistency the, inconsistently consistent that's how i describe young goaltenders yeah i think um jordan bennington has shown you know he had a couple couple of seasons where you're thinking, okay, this guy's not going to ever make the NHL. And lo and behold, he's already a Stanley cup winning goaltender. So I think you're right. Um, you're going to see a lot of his consistency, no matter who it is. Uh, and I do want to correct myself earlier. The, uh, the, the record for the rampage in 2018, 2019, uh, eighth place in the central 31, 38, six and one was their overall record. So not a great record and in a good division of hockey. I mean, you see, Rockford and Chicago consistently, and they're they're good hockey teams. So, uh, but either way, um, looking at again, Billy Huso as a as a player as a goaltender, um, what do you do? Do you think that he's had any trouble adjusting to North American style of play, or again, do you think it's just a a bad team and uh, just some inconsistent uh, play from the goaltender? I don't think he's had problem adjusting because as we mentioned his first two seasons in the AHL were really good um you know when he I think that first season that he came over with the Wolves here in Chicago his save percentage was 922 so that obviously um shows you that uh you know he adjusted pretty well and I think the the adjustment period for goaltenders as opposed to skaters is a little easier when you come from Europe um you know, because the, the shots are coming in from closer range. You don't, you know, the, it's a smaller rink to where, you know, the the speedy forwards may have uh, a harder time adjusting to playing with less space. Whereas I think the goaltenders enjoy 
not having that extra feet out there for shots to get deflected or, you know, hide behind players. So um, I don't think it's been an adjustment period because he he's coming over from Finland. I just think it's your normal ups and downs of, of, of young goaltenders, especially young goaltenders playing on, you know, subpar minor league teams. When he was drafted, um, one of the knocks against him from draft experts were uh, they questioned his mental approach and his composure. Uh, that was a lot. A lot of his Finnish coaches and scouts were saying that. Um, as far as what you've seen, do you notice that as a weak spot for him, or is there something else that you've noticed? Um, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, when you're dealing with the, um, you know, the mental aspect. Um, you know, there, there are times where I'm sure he's given up a, a, a soft goal and probably led to another goal shortly after that. Um, but I don't, I don't know per se. I don't think I've seen him quite enough to be an expert on, you know, where his head's at during the time of a, of a game. But, um, you know, he's doesn't appear to be a, like a very emotional guy out there. Like you don't see him, you know, uh, breaking sticks or yelling at teammates and, you know, uh, you don't have him throwing teammates under the bus after bad games. So I, I think between the years, um, you know, all goalies are a little strange between the years. It's a, it's a weird <laughs> place to be. Um, but I don't, I don't see that being a, a deterrent in any way, shape or form as far as his future success goes. So, again, when he was drafted, uh, there was uh, somebody else in that draft class that uh, he was getting a lot of comparables to, and that is uh, somebody we're both familiar with, you being in Chicago, me being in St. Louis, uh, UC Saros. And uh, the difference was that the body type was different. It was that they played a similar style, but uh, Huso fits the NHL goaltender body type a little better. Um, do you think that's still the case? Do you still, when you look at him, do you see – um, a, a UC Soros type goaltender. Um, to a degree, I mean, it's easy to make that comparison with, you know, um, European goaltenders. They 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 play the same style of game, despite Huso being bigger of the two. They both have quick reflexes. They don't have a lot of wasted movement in the crease, and their rebound control is is pretty good. Um. You know, Saros has had the luxury of, of a, a quicker path to the NHL, you know, and it helps when you play, you know, in front of that, behind that defense in Nashville, it's definitely going to make you look a lot better. Um, so he's had more fortunate, um, you know, path and sitting, and when you're not playing, sitting and, and learning from Pecorino is certainly not going to hurt you at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some similarities there. Um, you know, but, you know, he's good. Huso's going to have to, I think, um, fight a little more to get a spot if it's going to come with the Blues because Sorrow's pretty much had a, a, a quick um, path with nobody really blocking him. They kind of knew that this was going to be the guy that hey, we're going to bring him up. We're going to – he's going to back up Rene for a year or two, and then he's going to be our guy where Huso – kind of got passed up by a few guys over the years, you know, Bennington came up and now all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, we've got, you know, we, it was Allen. Now it's Bennington. So, you know, he, uh, his, his path to the NHL, as far as becoming a starter is a little uh, more cloudy than Saros was. 
So, uh, again, you mentioned the the being passed up by other goaltender, uh, well, specifically Jordan Biddington, but the, the log jam that the Blues have kind of had in goaltending the last couple of years. Do you see him being a trade chip for the Blues? Do you think that's somebody that uh, they could move? Um, yeah, always, always. To me, I, I mean, I may have said this in a, in a previous episode, to me, prospects are currency. You know, they for a general manager – no, no prospect should ever um, be considered untouchable sitting in the AHL, especially when you're the Blues and you've you you've got your championship window is you're in the midst of what could be a you know a, a very successful run. You're coming off a Cup win. Uh, you, you know, obviously this season was very successful until it had to be stopped. So yeah, with with Bennington and obviously your guy for a while. <coughs> If there's a need, if there's a, if you need to move up in the draft, if there's a you know a player you need you think can help you win another cup, sure, you absolutely pull the trigger. Um, but um, I always compare goaltending in hockey to pitching, uh, starting pitching in baseball is you can never have too much of it. Um, you know, Bennington's the guy right now, but. You know, we've all seen guys that look great for a year or two, and then all of a sudden, you know. Bennington's there because Jake Allen, who was the guy, all of a sudden wasn't the guy anymore. So goaltending, you can never have too much depth between injuries and just guys, for whatever reason, losing their touch. Um, You know, look, Matt Murray won a Stanley Cup for the Penguins a couple years ago, and he lost his starting job this year. So it's you can never have too much of it. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question per se. It does. Of course it does. um, you uh, yeah, you absolutely could use him as a trading chip. I think the 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 upside is is there to where you could uh, get some value for him. Uh, so I'm, I'm I was wanting to ask you a question and, and base it on past Blues goaltending history, but I'm going to try to do my best to make this relatable to a Blackhawks fan. Um, so when when talking to you, and if you were to just take a shot, I know again. It's anything that happened with a goaltender. Nobody would have guessed Jordan Bennington was going to go on and win a Stanley Cup his his rookie season. But if I were to ask you, is he the next Jordan Bennington? And for Blues fans, I wanted to ask you, or is he the next Reinhard Divas? But I'm going to ask you, is it the is it, do you, would you say he's more the next Jordan Bennington or the next Mark Lamoth? <laughs> Well, I don't think he's going to be uh, – I don't know if he'll be either. I think he'll be somewhere in between. Will he ever be the guy that comes in like Bennington and just sets the world on fire and, and makes – literally does something that's never been seen before and go on a crazy run and win a Stanley Cup? Probably not. But will he be a complete bust and a name that you forget about years later? Like the name you just mentioned, I haven't heard that name in God knows how long. (laughs) You know, probably will never hear it again. Probably not. So I think he will be somewhere between those two. That's the, that's, I know that's, that's a safe thing to say, but um, I think Huso definitely could be um, a very good NHL goaltender, maybe never uh, a top, star, you know, an all-star type guy, but he definitely could have a long professional career, even if it's as a career, you know, journeyman backup kind of guy that eventually finds his spot. You know, those guys are around forever. You look at your, your Hudobins and, and your, your, 
Yaroslav Halak is still producing, you know, so he could be one of those guys. Um, you know, you ask if he if he could be the Jordan, the next Jordan Bennington. Um, I mean, the big question is, do they ever need him to be the next Jordan yeah. Bennington? That's a good point. Uh, well, this was uh, very enlightening, and I'm sure Blues fans wanted to to hear a lot about this prospect because, um, again, uh, that he was kind of the guy that was supposed to step in by, after Jake Allen, and and uh, he kind of for a while Blues fans considered him. Uh, way better than Jordan Bennington. And then obviously things happened uh, to, to, to the Blues' liking with Bennington. Um, but yeah, that's he's always been kind of a question mark with Blues fans. So it's nice to get a little more insight on him. Uh, Greg, I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, for those of the Blues fans who may not remember or may not have followed you yet on Twitter, how can people find you on social media and where they can they read your work? Yeah, they can um, just follow me along on Twitter, at Greg Boyson. That's B-O-Y-S-E-N. All my hockey uh, randomness is there, as well as all kinds of other weird thoughts. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter during the hockey season. You know, I'll be uh, live tweeting from AHL press boxes and, and, and giving you my NHL thoughts as well. And then over at thehockeywriters.com, head on over. I do the daily Today in Hockey History post along with some other great stuff over there. So clicks are definitely appreciated. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, Greg, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. For sure. Thanks, guys. Well, a big thanks goes out to Grant and Greg for all the information they provided. Uh, want to make sure that everybody knows to check out letsgoblues.com shop for shirts and stickers. I know Kurt's, uh, I think Kurt just loaded something new recently so if you haven't been to the shop in a while make sure you check that out uh also you can subscribe to us on spotify apple or google podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio and again if you are on apple that's the way you use to listen to us give us that five star rating leave us a review that helps people find the show twitter handles uh show twitter is at lgb radio kurt price is at kurt price bill days at billy blue note and myself jeff bonder can be found at jponder94. Uh, also, remember that we are on Facebook at Let's Go Blues, and we are also on Instagram, Let's Go Blues Radio. So uh, we do update all of our sites as much as we can. So if you are not following us there yet, make sure you do that. The next show, again, as I say every week, stay tuned. Um, we may have a live show with some of the information coming out that I've already discussed. I'm sure there's going to be more by the time we want to have a show next week. Um, so there's a chance we'll have a live show, but if not, folks, do we have a great interview for you. Uh, Mr. Bernie Federko, the original St. Louis Blues Hall of Famer, he will join me and we will talk about his career, his book, The Blues Note, or My Blues Note. If you have not read that yet, that is a fantastic read. He goes into depth about so many different things, and uh, we talk about that a lot. Uh, coming up on the next episode of Past the Future, whenever that will air. And, of course, we do have some Greg Boyson interviews that we want to get to, but uh, a couple other prospect uh, chats that I have I will uh, be trying to get out here as well. So, uh, But definitely you want to tune into the next Past to the Future episode because Bernie is a delight. He's a fun guy to talk to and just a, a real good conversationalist. Well, folks, that will conclude this episode. On behalf of Bill Dan, Kurt Price, I'm Jeff Ponder, and let's go Blues! 
Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun. They're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friend.